You're listening to The Red Tales, the Moddy Body Red podcast, which candidly celebrates the messy and iconic parts of our teenage years and our bodies. From juggling changing friendship groups, dealing with first heartbreaks, and waking up to changing body parts, our teenage years are filled with the most defining and often cringeworthy moments of our lives. Luckily, we're not alone. Moddy Body Red is the sustainable, easy to use period underwear for tweens and teens. It gives us the best protection against period leaks and stains, so we can ditch the pads and get on with living our best lives. I'm Sasha Meany, your host, and every fortnight I'll be joined by a young Aussie who isn't afraid to open up about the all-too-relatable moments from their teenage years and how they lived to tell the tale. Spoiler alert, make sure you listen to the very end of each podcast as we'll share with you our special Moddy Body discount code. As teenagers, we're expected to rebel as a rite of passage towards our self-discovery. While I wasn't the most ballsy kid, there was a moment when I was younger where I defied my dad in a way that even shocked him. After being told off during a long car ride and threatened with the classic, you can walk home ultimatum, I decided to beat him at his own game. When we approached a red light, I opened the door and I got out. To his shock, he circled back to pick me up, knowing full well he couldn't return home without me. While this is such a small, although not entirely wise, act of rebellion, it is the earliest memory I have of standing up for myself. Today's guest, Tiara De Silva, knows the feeling of towing the line between rebellion and self-preservation well, as she shares with us a pivotal point in her high school experience where her values were at odds with her schools. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Tiara. So this is a bit of a juicy topic. I want to talk about rebellion generally. Why do you think we rebel, especially as teenagers? Um, I think that teenagers rebel because as we grow up, we're obviously under the guardianship of our parents. And I know personally for me, um, I went to a school where a lot of kids didn't have, you know, as strict as parents as I did. So I rebelled because I was like, oh, my friends don't need to do it. Um, Another thing is I think it's like having a sense of autonomy. As a kid, you think you're grown up and you think you're older than you are. So I think kids just want to gain that independence. Mm. Sometimes I think kids do it just to be annoying, like being an auntie myself and having two nieces. You have two nieces? Yeah. Yeah. They're like babies. So my oh. sisters are like marginally, not marginally, that's an exaggeration. They're a bit <laughs> older than me. So the older one is 34 and the other one's 29. The older one has two kids. So I get, I understand. I'm starting to understand, you know, into their little minds, like why they want independence and maybe why they rebel by not eating and like not wanting to take a bath. So like, yeah, it's it. like an inherent thing from the very birth. We don't want to eat unless somebody like spoon feeds us. Exactly. So I understand that like, as like teens grow up, they want that sense of autonomy and they want to be independent sometimes they're just you know being annoying but I understand (laughs) as a teenager so what kind of high school did you go to um I went to a Anglican um private high school right um I didn't even yeah they were fairly good towards the end I didn't really have much thought on you know such high schools or such environments until Mm. I was in year 11 or 12 when I kind of realised that my values were being challenged against an institution's, Mm -hmm. which feels weird to say now because I feel like I'm so far from it, you know, being graduated. Yes. But, yeah, I went to a high school that kind of, 
I don't think nurtured my values as much as I do. Right. Yeah. And so was your first kind of experiences off rebellion in high school or in ho- at home? I think my first, my first real, real rebellion that I f- feel is rebellion is um, my experiences throughout high school because I feel like I was a good child. I hope. <laughs> I hope. I'm sorry, mum. But I feel like I was a good child. But it wasn't until like year 11, year 12, that kind of, you know, integral period where you're gaining all of this experience outside of school and starting to see the outside world just before you leave high school that I was like, I think, I think what I'm doing is wrong. Right. But I'm going to do it. Okay. Yeah. So what were those values that you're talking about? So they weren't values more so than they were like, so for example, I'm an activist, right? Okay. Um, I started my career back in like 2018. Right. Um, and I just started learning and educating myself, but it wasn't until like that year, end of year 11, beginning of year 12 timeframe that I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, get more organized, like join these organizations, learn more, um, start protesting. And I thought my school wouldn't bat an eyelid. They Mm. were like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, It wasn't until that I started organising and speaking at them and that I started attending strikes and not going to school that they got really, uh, they got got quite iffy about it. Right. So what what were the strikes that you were going towards and what led you to those strikes? Because... I, I don't know, in, in my high school, the most kind of thing I knew about activism or charity was, you know, donating or organising drives. It was all very school-led. Um, I didn't know how to find or I, I didn't even know it existed independently out of school, those places and, you know, those forums for those kinds of discussions. So what were the strikes that you attended and how did you find out about this stuff during high school? Yeah, so I was really lucky pre-COVID times yeah. to... Um, <laughs> Um, find these organisations like School Strike for Climate, mm-hmm. all these youth-led organisations that besides donating and fundraising and bringing awareness, they actually protested. So yeah. one thing that I'm very passionate about besides human rights and mental health is climate change mm-hmm. because it is such an like such an important issue mm-hmm. um, in today's society, which is another reason why I love Modi Body mm-hmm. is because they're really sustainable. But the thing about climate change is that I have two nieces, right? I feel like I'm protesting and making all these little changes in my life because I at least want to try and do something, even though, you know, it's the big corporations that should be implementing change. Um, I want to do something to make sure that they have a sustainable future. Mm. So I started working in these youth organisations because I was like, oh, I can, like, I can do this. There's a forum for me to go out there and speak my mind and mm-hmm. tell politicians that there is a quite large demographic um, of kids that understand the situation, that want change, that want legislative change, mm. that want, you know, real change, that want you guys to take this seriously. So when, so when you started attending these strikes, what was the school's response? Like how did they push back on you? Um, so I kept it quite hush hush because I was like, oh, I didn't intentionally keep it hush hush. Yeah, but I was you like, you just didn't need to bring it up, really. Like exactly. <laughs> like I was like, this isn't something that I need to bring attention to. It's just extra. It's something I want to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's stuff that I want to do outside of school. It has nothing to do with school. Exactly. Um, and I was like, it was March. I can remember it very clearly. It was March fifteenth, and I sang at one at the strike. Besides giving like a little speech and um. 
I remember some people screenshotted my Instagram, not my Instagram, my Snapchat story, sorry. Right. And I was like, oh, why are all these people screenshotting? Oh, yeah. And it was just a photo of the cr- like me um, and the crowd. Right. So you could very clearly see I was at a protest with signs up. Um, and I f- noticed that like... 15 people screenshotted it. And I was like, oh, it's probably my cousins and stuff. No, it was like all of these kids from my school. And I was like, oh, like, uh, and I was yeah, you like, feel uncomfortable. Like, it, yeah. It's like, why do you need this saved to your phone? Yeah, like I had five. I, like, after I got the, saw that there were five people, but then it progressively started getting more. Mm. And I was like, why are people screenshotting my story? Um, and then I went to school because it was, this was on Friday. I went to school on the Monday. And um, a couple of kids were like, where were you? And I was like, I was at a protest. And they Mm -hmm. were like, oh, we didn't know that, you know, we didn't know that you did that. Mm -hmm. Because I was fairly vocal in, you know, like political debates in the classroom or like socio-political debates in the classroom in like history that were like, oh, this person in history did this and they were bad, but they still did good things. Like I was that one girl that just saw injustices and would say stuff about it, but I didn't want to be labeled as the social justice warrior. So when kids saw me go to these protests, they were like, they weren't surprised, but they were like, oh, there she goes. It kind of floated around the grade. I think that as great as the school was um, to me, as great as the staff were, there was a culture of conservatism in the grade that just that was very prevalent and I know that there were very good kids in the batch but they were just the worst ones and the ones that you know poked fun at me and were relentless towards me they were the ones that came forward the most and said the most stuff Mm. so what happened is one day a lot of my friends started treating not treating me differently but they were like oh they would you pick up vibes right yeah no yeah people aren't stupid yeah Like, like yeah Like when you talk to someone, you can tell, and I'm very anxious about that stuff. Like my best friends now, like I get very anxious and they're like, chill, it's fine. Because I had like so much experience with these kids just like talking behind my back. But what happened is I think the principal caught wind of it somehow. I don't remember. I remember telling my PC teacher, like my pastoral care teacher, my year 12 mentor, my history teacher and and another teacher. And, um, you know, he caught wind of it and he kind of was like, don't go like don't go to another strike ever again you don't need to you're gonna like you might get in trouble like did he say why you would get in trouble like as in like the students or in trouble with the school body well he said that I'm not allowed to go and that I might get in trouble if I go and I was like it felt wrong of him to say that because there were literally dozens if not like multiple principles that allowed their you know, students to attend this protest, Mm. a lot of them wouldn't have even bat an eye. They would be like, oh, we live in a democracy. Cool. You can go protest for climate change. That's something important. So I felt on top of, you know, being completely ostracized by the students. Yeah. Yeah. My group. And as much as they tried to fake it with me, they were like, it felt even worse that, you know, like a teacher, like a someone, an authoritative figure was like, don't, you're going to don't, I don't approve of this. Right. And I knew that he didn't. And that kind of silenced me for a bit. Like I didn't speak out in legal studies when someone said something out of pocket. Right. I didn't um, bring up things. I didn't call out injustices when I heard them. And there were a few like ignorant comments made here and there. And people would look at me like, oh, SJWTR is going to say something. And I never did um, from that point onwards because I felt silenced. And that sounds weird, but it no. was bad at the time. It's It sounds so – there's a level of like – 
self-consciousness, mm. something that you think is really great about yourself that is then turned around and made to be like a why are you sticking your head out from the crowd? And you're just like, oh, okay, well, I won't, I won't do that now because the attention isn't worth isn't worth it. I remember <laughs> this is so different, but I remember one time I had to sing. Somebody was like dared me to sing, and so I sang, and they were like, "Wow, you made really weird eye contact with me that whole time." And then I was like, "Okay, well, I'll never sing again." Like I, just, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't want to make eye contact with people, so I, I won't sing. And it's completely irrelevant, but it's that level of somebody points something out and. It just shuts you down. It shuts, yeah, it shuts down that part of yourself. Yeah. And it's hard, I think, what makes me angry listening to you is that the school didn't step in and, and say, you know, it's not like you're wagging. Like, it's not like you're yeah. ditching school to do nothing. Mm. You're going to something that is educational and mm. is, you know, above and beyond what can be taught in schools. Mm. It's It's life practice. It's life experience. And not like and then not stepping in and being like no this isn't this is something which should be encouraged because then you wouldn't have felt so alone like other people could have gone with you for example so what did you when did you find your voice again did you find your voice again during high school um it was really hard because there were the students were like there were like a group like two or there were a few students who were like relentless like in terms of like making subtle comments under their breath commenting on my posts on social media sub posting you know like with like for example this person um posted on facebook that people had been um protesting climate change by doing something like I think it was like sticking their heads in sand or something or or restricting themselves on the beach and um, obviously people are going to make fun of that because if you don't understand the deeper concept it sounds ridiculous but um, yeah people were like those kids were like going in on me like oh yeah SJWs people like that have no brain blah 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 Um, so I got called every name under the sun so it was (laughs) like really hard to find my voice and um around this time is when I was going through a really like hard period of my life so like my dad had passed away my dog got sick Mm. all of this stuff happened and I was like oh like I don't feel like this is my calling anymore like I feel like I've just been shoved out of my entire little activism sphere that like made me feel safe because I was yeah because I was I had like something because my sisters are both lawyers and they're both like very social justice orientated they're very passionate um women and I was like something that is so like that's something that resonates within my family something that I can find talking points with and educate myself about was just like cut off Mm. and it wasn't until like I graduated no and I found like such a like a good group of friends that they kind of helped me find my voice again okay um and that in conjunction with just leaving high school yeah was just it helped me realize that I have a voice people disagree with you people have varying viewpoints that's always going to happen in the real world Mm. um and you can either like you know just lay there and do nothing about it or you can take your experiences into account and you can learn from it and do better or be better I think what's hard in high school with rebelling is that the cohort is so much a group and Mm. then when you graduate and you leave you realize like you're suddenly just like there's space like there's actual physical space to move it doesn't 
feel like rebelling anymore because there's nothing pushing against you. Mm. Whereas in high school, rebelling can, it's just tiring. It can be really tiring. Mm. And is that how you felt in school when you were organizing? Like, did you ever try to get support from within the cohort or within the, in the classes or was it, was it purely just felt like it was you? I knew that there were a few kids that support what I did, but they didn't like, I don't know if they didn't say anything because of, you know, because I just was that activism girl because, you know, the culture of the grade or whatever, Mm. but there were a few supporters, but it just never, like they never were, you know, it, it never helped me in my activism. So I kind of went on it alone, like organising, doing all of this myself yeah. within my respective cohort. I had, you know, the other volunteers and the other people within the organisation that I actually formed really close bonds with and I'm very grateful for, but I kind of went at it alone, which was annoying at the time because, like you said, when, when you're in high school, when you're stuck in an institution for that long, you kind of have to conform to whatever standard or um, mode that Just it operates energy. on. Yeah. So I kind of realised... After my dad passed away, which was like in June, I was like, I have to go back to school. I have to face all of these people. They're going to be so nice to me now that, you know, they understand they my situation. Nice. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're required to. So I was like, I have to like go and face them, put on like your fake mode, like just go fake, be fake for the next like however many months that you're here. Yeah. The teachers were very supportive. So they were amazing. Like my history teacher and stuff were amazing, but it's the students that I was so wary of because they still had that underlying perspective and view of me and thoughts of me, even though I'd been through so much. And I went back to school and I just hung out with that one group of girls who were in retrospect, lovely, but like surface lovely and tolerable. Yeah. Tolerable. Like they didn't care for me whatsoever, Right. but they were like, cause I was just that SJW girl, but they were like, they were tolerable. So Mm. I blended to them. I got sick of some people towards the end because I was like I can't do this like I just I'm just gonna stay at home and study yeah I that's how I kind of got out of it I kind of had to meld into the mold I think it's one of the things that I only learned about protesting at university and I get quite panicky in crowds so it's something that I do but I do with a lot of mindfulness for myself in that I'll stay towards the back or I will you know if we're sitting and we're listening to something I'll sit not in the big, you know, the big thing in the middle. I'll just sit further away and listen. and Because that's what I like about protests is listening and hearing what other people have to say. Mm. And I think that's important about protesting and rebelling mm. is knowing, like, well, how much you can put into it because you're not useful unless you're well in your being. Like, you have to be okay internally Hmm. in order to contribute the most that you can towards any cause yeah Yeah. and it sounds like when you were in school that's what you needed to do Mm. like you needed a moment Mm. and it's just sad that your teachers and stuff weren't supportive earlier on that it didn't take you having a horrible family problem Mm. for them to care for you that's what it felt like maybe they like yeah that's how I felt so alone like there was one instance where I did tell a teacher and he was very supportive of it Mm. but for the rest of it I I feel like teachers knew what students were saying but they didn't really like do or say much about it and that felt like it felt terrible it felt isolating yeah yeah and can you describe 
because you were talking about those new spaces off like the activism and the communities there can you describe your first time going because I know that's a lot of fear I remember my for me it was drama and Mm. I had to go to a drama school and I didn't have any friends in my primary school and the nurse because I didn't I thought that I was I thought I was unable to be social yeah because other people didn't want to talk to me and so then I go into this new space and I'm like I can't speak. I don't know how, like, what do I say? What do I do to make people like me? I'm inherently unlikable, et cetera. And then I got over this fear. How Can you describe your first experiences of going into those new areas and how you built up your confidence in those areas? Oh, it was so scary. It was so scary. I was like, oh, I'd like these people barely know me. I'm just another girl here trying to, you know, effectuate change. Yeah. And I was welcomed with open arms and I was so happy about that because it's a, it was a complete contrast from my school environment so of course it was scary and of course one of the first protests that I actually helped with I had to sing at and I was like mm-hmm. oh and there were 80 like what like 80,000 people or something like that wow. there was some it, it ranged between like because I I'm really bad at maths and I stuck with numbers I suck with numbers <laughs> I think it was between fifty and like seventy eighty thousand between those numbers right. I'm getting confused between the two I protests. mean when you're in the double thousands I don't yeah. think <laughs> catching one by one <laughs> yeah it was like something like that but yeah I remember it was it felt really foreign but great to be in a room of like minded people and my cousin he's an activist as well and I knew he was in the crowd so I was like okay this is fine I felt better um so it was just I can't describe the feeling other than it was like euphoric like it was yeah. like you'd been drained for so long and then you're put into an environment people are so like minded so accepting so happy to share like their knowledge and their experience with you and to like have you in the room it's mm. just it made me really happy Mm. yeah okay so finally what are your tips for any young person who's who wants to rebel in the in the extraordinarily healthy way that you rebelled (laughs) (laughs) um don't let other people if it's something that you're passionate about don't let other people push you over or suppress your voice it is very easy especially as a like a young woman of color to be pushed aside when you're in a room full of people but if you want to raise your voice raise your voice especially if it's over something important yeah um me going to you know a predominantly catholic not sorry conservative school it was very hard for me to be progressive and I felt like I was inconveniencing people by being like oh climate change is an issue yeah (laughs) when climate change is the inconvenience not you bringing it up exactly (laughs) so I was just so my tip to you is raise your voice and number two is and this is the most difficult part but I promise you you can get there in the end is surround yourself with people who who love you and will listen to you and have that, you know, mutual respective relationship because I can wholeheartedly say if I did not have like my family, that the family that I'm blessed with, the best friends that I'm blessed with, you know, and like the environment that I'm in right now, it's just, it's such a contrast from where I was this time last year. And like, I know it sounds to, you know, the kid that's watching this, that's like, oh, you know, this is hard. I don't know how to raise my voice. I don't know how to rebel against whatever's being imposed upon me. Mm. Just explore raise your voice and be respective of others is one thing as a part of rebellion is being respective of others especially if it's like the safe rebellion my nature rebellion be respective of others yeah beautiful well thank you so much for your advice and for sharing your story today thank you for having me Gaining the 
courage to speak up for yourself is a lifelong practice. But taking small steps towards owning your voice is important for deepening our personal development and relationships. Here are some things to think about next time you have something to say. One, read the room. While there's never a perfect time to have a difficult or uncomfortable conversation, there is an appropriate time. Have a sense of where you are, what kind of mood the person is in. Are they going to pay attention? It's important you feel heard and as safe as possible when you share your truth. Two, get clear. Our thoughts can get the better of us while our feelings can lead us to react. Try getting clear on what you want to say by writing it down or even practicing it aloud so you feel confident that what you are saying is truly what you feel. Three, tone is everything. When another person becomes emotional and reactive, it's easy and understandable for us to meet anger with anger. Try to practice breathing through and taking your time to get what you need off your chest. It will help to keep the situation far calmer and allow you to say what you need to. Four, know it's okay to say no and walk away. If things start to take a turn or make you feel uncomfortable, know that it's okay to say no or leave the situation. Thanks for listening to The Red Tales, the Muddy Buddy Red podcast. If you enjoyed tuning in to today's episode, related a bit too much to the story, or learned something new, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. If you're curious about our underwear and you'd love to give it a try, head to our website and use our exclusive code REDTAILS15 for 15% off. You can even join the Red Squad by signing up on our website to receive exclusive VIP offers. Lastly, to keep up with all things red, make sure to follow us on Instagram at moddybody underscore red. Remember, life is messy, but your period doesn't have to be.